in our psyches is the pre-programmed specter of arriving at a point in our life when work, as we've known it, comes to an end in the formal way. And simultaneously or just before a whole new life begins to emerge from that soup. And it's filled with possibilities, both imagined and uh, unimaginable. So we're excited to record this chat because so many of us out there are already in this process, whether we know it or not, of reimagining our next chapter of life. So how does it all come together when somehow retirement is today or just around the corner? Hello, this is B.B. Peters together with Dr. Andrea Gould, and you're listening to Boom Talk Media. With us today to talk about the wonders of the undiscovered path are two sisters from the Midwest, Melinda Hendricks Jensen and Mary Hendricks. Melinda just recently retired as a high school principal in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Mary is a pharmacist in Minneapolis, Minnesota, planning to retire in early 2022. How perfect to have a roundtable discussion about such a rich theme that's so spiced with memories of past experiences and choices and consequences with now's actual future shaping choices and decisions. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, Mary. Welcome, Melinda. We're so excited to have you both with us today. And if you will, paint us a picture about your professional and personal histories. Tell us a little bit about your education, career span, and your family and pets. And we'll begin with you, Melinda. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be here. I um, I would just start my story with growing up in a small town in Minnesota and within a family that I just feel is was perfect for me. And I was a middle child, and I think that for that I'm blessed. Um, I had a brother and a sister older and a brother and a sister younger, and I, I could not have been um, had a more joyful childhood. Uh, we moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota when I was a senior in high school. So I went just one year to O'Gorman High School. And uh, I, I tell you, that has come back to be a, a real uh, important piece of, of or uh, yeah, piece of experience that I could share with students. Um, I've been in education for 30 years. And so often kids will say, well, we're moving or I just moved here and I can say there's life after the move. OK, um, because Sioux Falls has gotten to be my hometown uh, and I, I feel fortunate in that, that I really have two hometowns, you know, the one I grew up in and then this wonderful one I grew up in as an adult. So um, so but that experience has really been uh, valuable for me to share with students that, you know, to be strong and see it as, a, an, as an exciting adventure, you know. So anyway, then uh, on we go here. I uh, graduated from high school and went to college uh, in Brookings, South Dakota, and uh, got a political science degree. And I think I actually, you know, kind of leaned that way because my brother Mark was doing that. And I thought, well, that's, that sounds like me too, you know, and I was going to go on to law school. Well, then I, um, I was so lucky to meet uh, just a prince, and, and that's my husband, Jim, and uh, we had two kids. And um, I got thinking that, you know, one of the things that I loved as a child was having, um, you know, uh, just things to do during the summer, such rich experiences. And, and we were a sports family, but my mom would say, well, you know, you can take swimming, you can take tennis, you can take golf, get on your bikes, you know, just, we were always active. And I got thinking about that when our children were little and I thought um, when they were young and I thought, you know, we used to play school. I, I need to be a teacher. So I went back and got a master's degree in history and then uh, got a teaching certificate at the same time. And so um, on we go then. I 
taught middle school for eight years, language arts. And, um, and then I moved to the high, our kids were in my class. Uh, so how lucky am I? And, and I think they were lucky. Then they went on to the high school uh, in our part of town. And, and I thought, well, I'll go over to that high school and follow them around. And so I taught high school English for seven years. And then um, they both graduated from high school. And I thought, mm, should I go to college <laughs> up there where they are? And I thought, well, I got to give them a little space. So I did teach <laughs> in an alternative school for two years, a wonderful program for ninth graders who had been removed from their high school and put in an alternative program in the middle uh, level of their lives. And so we engaged them in the ninth grade and, um, and, kids who would have dropped out of out of high school, uh, we successfully um, got them through the ninth grade anyway. So uh, after that, I went on to my, um, I, I, I uh, got a master's degree in ed, um, education administration. And uh, so I decided to try my hand at being an administrator. Uh, we, I was at Brookings High School in Brookings, South Dakota for four years as an assistant principal. And I'll just say one experience about that. Um, I, I kind of felt like I was a popular teacher. I, I had kids who, who loved me. They didn't want to go on the next year. You know, Mrs. Jensen, can I have you next year? And so anyway, so blessed am I, you know. But um, in one of my first experiences with a young lady who was in um, big trouble at the high school, uh, I had to go get her from a class and we were walking down the hallway and I said, "Hun, come up here and walk with me. And she goes, I'm not going to be seen walking with you. You're the assistant principal. Well, okay. That was an acknowledgement for me, you know, that um, my, my world has changed here considerably, but, um, but it was really a, a wonderful experience that I had at Brookings high school four years at, at, as the assistant. And then I, I got to be uh, the principal of the middle school at Brookings. And again, if if I had my life to do all over again, that's what I do is I'd be the principal at a middle school because I, I just I love middle school kids and I, I loved my my work and my just influence there. In fact, a little sixth grade girl came up to me and she said, I'm so glad you're my principal. And I said, thanks. I'm so glad, too. And she said, I didn't even know girls could be the principal. Okay, so again, it oh. reminded me that I was I was a role model there, you know, and and then I, the last seven years of my education, I've been at a high school, and um, so many young ladies have said, you know, you're such a role model, and um, and you know, they appreciate a strong woman and a woman who takes charge, and. Um, just a funny story about this school that I was at um, called West Central. Um, the lunchtime transition was just terrible. And kids would, you know, lots of them were going this way and some of them were going that way. And they were just all like pushing and shoving. And, and they're big high school kids, you know. Right. And so um, anyway, I said, okay, we're going to put a stop to this. And it was just like I'd only been there a week. And I said, we're going to get this figured out, which we did. And we rang a bell early to dismiss our lunch. And then we rang a bell two minutes later to say, all right, our next group can come. And uh, a girl was in the English class and she said to her English teacher, wouldn't you just know it? A woman comes in and right away we're problem solving. You know, <laughs> so um, not that not that it's all about the women, but I'll tell you what, I have had so many um, supports in that way, you know, where where young ladies just uh, really loved seeing, um, you know, a woman in charge. So, wow, anyway. wow, a woman in charge. Yeah, okay. woman in I'm charge. Just, I'm just separating the threads as you're talking. So just <laughs> yeah. excuse my enthusiasm. Yeah. Thank you. So, and then, um, you know, it's been a rough couple of years um, in school and everywhere you know, with COVID. And, and so um, my last year, we were in masks all the time at school. And even our uh, spectators at, at um, activities, you know, um, fine arts events, at, um, sports events, we were masked. Now our athletes weren't and our participants weren't, but 
Um, but it was it was a difficult year. I said that ninth grade class, I, I never really got to know them because, well, number one, I'd say to the girls, y'all wear your hair about the same. And you've got these pretty eyes, you know, and then I, I just see a mask, you know, and we all had the same mask. So anyway, um, they, they could certainly understand that, but um, I was so glad that I got to know the kids well before we moved into that COVID time. But um, so I'm 65 and I thought this is maybe my time to, to let somebody else um, move in and, and do the, the work and do the, you know, enjoy the time and, and define the, the situation kind of for what it is. And um, so, um, so I, I'm very happy that I did. I'm, I, I've got this wonderful family. I've got time for my sisters and brothers and time to think. And, you know, because one of the things I said when I came to this last high school was, um, being an, a school administrator is like no other because you don't get a lot of time with kids and certainly not with their parents. And quite often it's a contentious situation when you're having a personal um, uh, encounter with kids or their parents. And I said, but, but as an administrator, I have 800 of you who I need to try to get to know right away. And then I've got this wonderful high school teaching staff. I want to get to know all 45 of them right away. And your parents are out there and I want to get to know them right away. So when I look back at my career, I, I was at all these big schools, you know. So each time I made that move, it was, it was like an awakening that I had to try to meet hundreds of people as quickly as possible and get to know them as well as possible. And, you know, that, that was a challenge, but also it was, you know, my life's blessing um, because I mean, how nice is it that I go to the mall or I go to the grocery store and I still hear, Hey, Mrs. Jensen. And um, you know, so, so sweet. So sweet. Well, we have a million questions to ask you. Like one of them that just stands right on top of my mind is how do you then separate yourself from all that support and joy and love and experiences that you've had? But we can't go on right now because we have another guest, okay? So <laughs> if I may, um, Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself, please, and the road that you have traveled to get to this point in life and how you really have two jobs. One, the pharmacist at a major hospital, and the other, a short film producer at Ziggy Films Limited. This is so exciting and so fun. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Um, yes, I will tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Mary Hendricks, and I am the youngest of five um, kids. Um, and I was lucky enough to be the first generation who uh, enjoyed all the things that Melinda can give a person. Um, I was her rider on the back of the Purple People Eater all around town. Um, I was announced um, on the paper route and uh, we spent every minute we could together and it was so nice to have such a, a lovely sister. And then um, with her kids, they were our little mascots. And now her grandkids are the third generation to enjoy this. So I feel blessed and have uh, that much and more with my other three siblings. Um, so it, uh, it's lovely to be a member of this family, that's for sure. Uh, as far as my professional career goes, I uh, went through school in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then I went one year um, just sort of undecided um, and uh, then went to pharmacy school at South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota. When I was done with that, they were just sort of starting these things called pharmacy residencies. And I came to United Hospital and Children's Hospital 
um, in St. Paul at that time. And I did a two year administrative residency to become a manager of a pharmacy and decided through the course of that two years, that was about the last thing I would want to do. <laughs> um, it involved some master's work as well. Um, and then um, I kind of just had a bit of a reckoning with my career saying, I need to kind of rein in doing what I think I should do um, and doing what I'd like to do. Um, so that kind of put me on the road of being someone who was willing to do some um, innovation um, uh, for, for children's. Um, so I uh, started um, as their in, in baseball, they call it a utility person. Um, and um, they could play every position and that's what I tried to do there. So I could work in the OR, I could work in the outpatient pharmacy, I could work in the central pharmacy, I could work on the ICUs, I could work in oncology, all that stuff. It was great to get a good basis for that. Um, then I worked some, as we implemented new computer systems, I worked for children's, but in their IT department. That was very interesting. Um, we built a day surgery center and I opened a little pharmacy in there, Children's West Pharmacy. And it was just a great eight years of being out there and, um, you know, just really getting to know the kids that came to all the clinics out there, the respiratory kids, the physical medicine kids, the kids that came for surgery. And then um, as that kind of sundowned, um, there was an opportunity to um, create a position in the emergency department. Um, and uh, so I did that. And that's where I've been for about for the last 14 years until COVID hit and all bets were off. Um, but that was really neat. Um, we were one of the first five hospitals in the United States to have a pharmacist in the emergency department. And it has been the most like interesting, challenging, rewarding uh, time of, of my career, I would say. Um, so then um, we have COVID as uh, everyone has their experiences with that. And um, we made a lot of changes. Um, mostly just contracting as our volumes were not that big. Um, so that involved yet another change for me going from a specialized thing in the emergency department to, you know, becoming a generalist again. So working in the neonatal intensive care unit, the pediatric intensive care unit, outpatient pharmacy, inpatient pharmacy. Um, and, you know, it just kind of... Um, let's or make made me do a little bit of soul searching to think would there be something else that i would like to do um given the idea that i'm you know uh on the younger end of someone who would be able to retire so um you know sort of looked at finances and would i be able to do it um and you know, gratefully so I was able to. And the day that that happened, I went into the pharmacy and one of the technicians said, you look so happy. And I just looked down and thought, well, I'm not going to tell you, but boy, oh boy, you're not going to look any more happy than when you understand that now the world's your, you know, open in front of you again, that you could, you know, um, again, look at doing what you want to do instead of things that you think you should do. Um, and I guess the other part of the question that you had asked was just about my other career, which is uh, something that I completely get enjoyment out of. I think Melinda said Mary wanted a dog from the time she knew what a dog was. Well, when I <laughs> turned 50 years old, I got a dog and um, she her name is Ziggy and she's a mini Australian shepherd and she's way smarter than I am. And um, so uh, then I started doing some Instagram things with her and she has probably about 3000 followers. But um, anyway, that is such a source of enjoyment. And that is, you know, kind of a thing I'd like to try to work on a little more um, after I retire is just you know, doing some training with her and being able to, you know, do some volunteer work with her 
Um, and then also just to develop that on the social media a little bit more. Um, so anyway, that uh, I think that's the um, summary of my personal and professional education, family, pets. That's about it, I guess. Wow. So I am holding these details that these two sisters have shared. And my friend Barbara knows how much fun it is for me to hold all those days. I feel like this was a special treat that that um, Mark Hendricks and B.B. Peters arranged so that I could have a delicious time talking <laughs> in this context to the two of you, to each of you. Wow. You know, I'm struck by some of the similarities. I just want to say straight off the um, voracious appetite for change and innovation within the, the parameters of the chosen field, whether it be pharmacy or whether it be education. Um, and that's, that's so striking. And then I'm, I'm struck by, here's Mary the youngest, and she has all these influences around her. And of course, she's fascinated with alchemy, because she understands the interconnection of all these incredible agents that she has spent her career working with. So nobody can be bored. Melinda can't be bored. Yeah. And, and Mary can't be bored. Um, but there's so much creativity in each of you and both of you. And um, I happen to know in the entire family. So it's, it's certainly a pleasure. And there are so many threads that the two of you, the issues that the two of you have raised, like Mary, your distinction between the should and the want to, right? So we should have a career. Is that what you meant by that? We should have a dedicated way of earning a living. Yes. Yeah, that's what you meant by should. Yes. Right. And then the want to comes out to be this uh, whole other area of techno creative plus the dog <laughs> as belinda points out since yeah. the beginning of time um, and it's amazing to me in seeing the instagram posts and the videos that mary produces um how the dog how ziggy um folds herself into the space that she's photographed in. It's as though there's some sort of a mental telepathy going on between Mary and Ziggy. Um, and Melinda, you're shaking your head because you've witnessed this in yeah. person, right? So true, so true, great observation. And I've walked with Mary and Ziggy before and they are so in tune with one another. They mm -hmm. really are. Mm -hmm. and, and so what's so delicious in the context of what we're talking about, which is this reinvention of life or this change of life, but of course we want to keep all the elements of pleasure that we can as long as we're going choicefully into the future, as long as we're stepping with choice. Not everyone has the luxury of stepping into that future or that new chapter with choice. But if we have choice, we want to bring what we love, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And combine it in whatever, whatever ways. And your, um, the sisters, the capacity for joy in, in interaction, yes. you know, is, I mean, I, I was actually at one point married to a principal of a school in New York and the amount of people yes. <laughs> and relationships that are necessary for your effectiveness. And I was even a school psychologist in a middle school. So I can really identify with you, Melinda, in terms of you have to know the staff and you have to know them well, and you have to know the parents and you have to know them well, and you have to know the, you know, the kids. Yeah. And so the demand for that extroverted kind of um, activity is huge. And what happens with that when you're in your new chapter of life? What you doing yes. with with that are you rebounding from that or is that still a presence melinda it um it has you know there are so many things about my life that i love and one of them is you know i you can tell i just so deeply love my family and and um 
Mary, I'll tell you, she, I was 10 when she was born. And I remember my mom saying, Melinda, could I please hold Mary a little bit? And because <laughs> right. she was kind of mine, you know. And, right, and so, I know. Um, so I loved that um, having a younger sibling and, and, you know, she let me be bossy and, 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 and <laughs> had we, no choice. <laughs> exactly. And so, and we play and we do all these things. So that, um, that has been a, a, a deep part of me. And as Mary said, we had our own kids and then now we've got these wonderful grandkids. So I'll never forget that picture that said, my, my head is full of children and it's of a woman and she's got like all these children, uh, like, coming out of her head sort of and um and that was that was so true and i i must say that not a day goes by that i don't kind of think about school or i think about kids or i still get the newspaper you know from that small town that i was in and and read about the kids and oh i'm so proud of them you know and everything but i'm not like you know because i want to be full of my family my dear husband our kids our grandkids um my friends, I haven't seen some of my friends who, you know, we always said we taught with our friends, our, our co-teachers were our friends, you know, when I was teaching, I hadn't seen some of them for eight years, nine years. And um, when I said I'd retired, oh, we, we were just, I've had more lunches, more get togethers, more parties, more birthday parties, you know, so that has been really fun for me because all that was just really put on hold. And um, I just really feel like my life is full of, full of my family now. And, and connections. And luckily, you have a large family, right? Yeah. So there are so many people who during the contemplation or the pre-contemplation stage of coming to terms with what the next chapter would be, to leave the workplace is to leave the relationships. Yeah. And not so for you, because you have relationships overflowing, yes. right? And I'm looking at you, Melinda. Um, how is it for you, Mary? Is it similar because the family is so large? Or is it a slightly smaller world of relationships that you'd be going into when you retire? Well, I, I think that's one of the things that I am looking forward to about retiring is just being able to renew some friendships as I have um, other friends who, you know, their kids are getting older now so that, you know, it's easier to spend time um, with them as they enter kind of a different phase in their lives as well. But, um, you know, I... I think that'll be one of the things that I will miss, although I um, do a lot of things with friends from outside of work that I know will continue. Um, but I will miss seeing, you know, all of my buddies who are in um, like respiratory therapy and the lab people and the x-ray people and the, you know, um, maintenance people and um, you know, I probably in the pharmacy and the nursing and the physicians, I have, you know, definitely a large group of friends um, that I um, do things with outside of work. And I would, you know, plan to continue that. Yeah, um, relationships but, are so are so important. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we take for granted the ones who are around us all the time. And then we're at the point where we have to choose, are we going to continue these, these relationships? Where, what is their place in our lives going forward? And it sounds like you've got circles like orbits, you mm -hmm. know, of people, Mary, um, that you can choose from, choose among. I just have to add, Melinda cracks me up, okay, because we kind of know a little bit of the underlying truth that the other day she was in a laundry tunnel, okay? She had laundry all throughout her house because with the family and the grandkids. So let's not paint the most erosious picture where she's doing some outdoor art at all times, right? Because this woman is family. And by family, we mean everything, right? Like the responsibilities that go with 
family, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's it's certainly a very wide, you know, field. And Miriam, am I to understand that you have not yet retired? Are you still in the preparation stage? I am. And, you know, um, I actually, it's been kind of a crazy deal because I have now two times already said, well, I should be retired by now because I have my fourth, I had submitted my fourth uh, letter to my boss and um, to human resources. The first one was it was a month because that's what I thought people did um, in pharmacy, give a month. The second, okay, so then the next day they're saying, oh man, you know, okay, you know, we're happy for you and all that. And I said, well, you know, if it would be easier, I can stay till the schedules are done. So then we moved it out another month. So then I sent another letter that said, I'm going to work through the schedules that are posted. Um, and then, you know, there's such a bunch of change in, in healthcare just in general. So then it became um, that we were going to put a pharmacist back in the ED. So they asked if I'd be willing to stay so they didn't have to re recreate or reinvent that position. I would stay until I trained the people. So that was the third letter that I would stay <laughs> until people were hired and trained. And then the fourth letter was, my retirement is postponed indefinitely, but I'm hoping <laughs> that it'll be done by April or so. Now, I tell you, that has just been great because I guess I just felt as though I needed some time to sort of prepare myself to be retired. And I can't imagine have, having been retired for a year or so already. And I think once I put the end, that there would be an end date, that it would be, you know, even though it's a little nebulous, um, that, um, you know, uh, I felt as though I was ready to then move on to just thinking about some of the things that I would want to do and, you know, making some preparations. Like I say, um, I think one of the things is just thinking about, you know, what am I going to do to fill my time when I'm not going to be in that environment with all that, you know, excitement of taking care of kids and, you know, being busy um, and, of accomplishments and feeling like you really, you know, potentially help the kids to have a better outcome. And also the appreciation. I mean, there's no place that you're more appreciated than in pediatrics and, you know, to be able to be that helper. So I guess I, I think that that has been helpful, even though it seems a little like disjointed that I would say one thing and then another thing and then another thing and then another thing. But in it, it kind of has brought me some peace just to have some time to think about some of that stuff. Mary, you're what such, you're saying is so important. And go such ahead. Such a great role model. I mean, these two, right? Such a great uh, role models for our audience. But yes, Andrea, please, uh, what were you going to say? What I was going to say is that, you know, it's such a good illustration, and it's similar to role modeling, that this is not a cut and dried affair. And sometimes we're, you know, kind of led to believe that, you know, just like, you know, you'll grow up, you'll go to high school, you'll graduate, you'll go to college, you'll graduate, you'll choose a profession, you'll graduate, you'll either partner up or you won't partner up, you'll either have kids or you won't have kids, but these prescribed, proscribed stages that we'd go through. And then, of course, one day you'd retire it's not like that, you know, it's much more impressionistic than it is, you know, these, these designated stages. And so, you know, Mary, to hear you speak particularly of the internal process, you know, there, you, you may or may not be familiar with Prochaska's stages of, of change, which was originally formulated in healthcare to help people prepare, like to give up smoking or to give up addictions. And it would start with, you know, the person doesn't come in, you are now going to give up all your addictions. No, there was the recognition that there was a, a stage of pre-contemplation, 
well, you weren't even ready, but there's some stuff swirling around. And then there's contemplation, which is a little more thoughtful about the balancing of things. How's it going to work? And then there's preparation. And that could take, like Mary describes, thank you very much, so many considerations, because we're not simple. You know, everything is contingent on everything else. And I love you brought up about the part of admiration and appreciation, because when you're in a role that's a life and death role, and I know that life and death role is uh, applicable to schools as well. <laughs> Having been in the positions that I have been in, it's like life and death for all concerned. And the mm -hmm. same is true in terms of the real life and death of the hospital situation, that when you save somebody's life or tens or hundreds of people's lives, you know, what's it like when you're not necessarily in that place. And those are really good considerations for anybody who's listening. What are the considerations in, in anybody's life who's considering one day not remaining in the position that you're in now? I loved uh, one time not too long ago when Melinda shared that she really didn't have an idea yet of what she was going to do when she retired, when that day came. She was just thinking about it at that point. Yeah. And then it seems to me that the time has been filled in such rich ways already. Um, and so I want to talk to you or ask you a little bit Melinda, about that process and what you may have discovered since the retirement date, but also for you to talk a little bit about your other little side business, which is creating these beautiful handcrafted cards uh, that you do. And it, do you see that as a continuing process in your retirement? Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, um, you know, every friend who is retired now, who I've talked to has said, I don't know where the time goes, but geez, I'm busy in retirement. Mm -hmm. And, um, and well, I would just say three cheers to that. I, I, um, the days are busy, but they're not as, um, like aggressively busy where <laughs> I, I always felt in work. It was like, you know, people needed me and needed me now. And, um, we we had to deal with this and 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 that and another thing and kind of simultaneously simultaneously where now it's um you know i made a list for myself of 50 things that i'd like to do and then um so you know like you said i i sort of like that creativity thing but i i really didn't have time for that and um except the making of the cards but you know what i intend to do is or that's on my list is make enough cards that i can write to people once or twice a week uh we were raised to be letter writers um and it just takes a moment but um i'll never forget a lady stopped me at the mall and she said oh melinda um i just never thought i'd see you again and i said oh well you know um and who are you and and well she had been a librarian at my school and she said do you know i kept all the cards that you sent to me when i was so sick and she said you made those cards oh they were so special <laughs> well you know i use a paper cutter and Put different colors of paper together. I, I don't see them as being that much a piece of art, but I do see them as being so special to people because don't we all love to get mail? And, and that's one of the things, yeah, that, that I want to do for my grandkids. Um, so uh, trust me, they are art. Yeah, okay. uh, please go on, but just trust me, they are art. <laughs> Thank you so much. But um, so I was raised to write to grandma and write to our uncles and write to my brothers and sisters. When, when Jennifer went to college, we wrote to her, you know, Mark went off to, to um, the academy and then went to school. We wrote letters. Well, I know how much that means. And I love to get letters too, but as much as I love to get letters, I love to write letters. So that's uh, something that I'm looking forward to. Um, 
it's changed a little bit because our grandkids and I talk almost daily, you know, where with my grandma, that was like long distance. I couldn't just pick up the phone and call her. And so, um, so I had a lot more to write, but there are lots of ways to share our lives with kids and, and let them see how important that is to, to make mail, you know, and I, I just want to say I'm the recipient of some of those cards passed down or passed up to your brother um, in his acknowledgments. And yes, I just want to confirm that in fact, that is, it's a, it's a blessing yeah. to receive and that level of thoughtfulness passed on. And so that's kind of one way of reaching out to so many people. Mary's got yet another mm -hmm. way of, and using social media, which is not the opposite, but there are certain ways that they're connected, but they are very different. And I haven't seen, I can't wait <laughs> to see Ziggy um, and, and what gets communicated there. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, there's the producing part, but there's must be like a sense of humor or a sense of emotional, you know, emotional connectedness when you see an animal and, and it speaks to you. That's the reason why people so yeah. love the animal videos. Tell us more about your intention with it or your personality and how that mixes in. Yes. Like I said, till I was 50 years old. I got joy from other people's pets. And now I believe that is one of the reasons that I like to do the posts on um, Instagram is that it gives people who may not have a pet or who have a deep appreciation for pets joy on a daily basis. And I will tell you one other crazy thing that has happened is um, I live in the middle of Minneapolis and I live in the smallest town in the United States. So we walk and one, and I will be, you know, having Zig hop up here and I'll take pictures, you know, by whatever. And then someone will put their head over their fence and say, Hey, I know that that's Ziggy the Aussie. I follow her. And it's one of the things that happens in our neighborhood, which is called Nokomis neighborhood. It's named for the lake one of the lakes around here. And um, I had that happen another time where uh, um, it was during COVID and these people had done this darling um, thing in their front door of all different colored hearts. And so I put Ziggy up there and thought, I'm gonna put that on um, Instagram. And um, the lady came around the corner and she goes, oh my gosh, she goes, it's Ziggy the Aussie. She goes, my <laughs> husband said, some lady is trying to leave a dog on our front steps. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, adorable. I know. Adorable. And so anyway, it is so fun. And then, you know, we did, uh, we took a picture at Nokomis Tattoo by, um, they have a couple murals there. And then we just said during COVID uh, or the uh, lockdown, we hope everybody's doing well and, you know, that these guys are doing okay. And so the guy who owns the thing, of course, is on Nicoma's life and he writes and he goes, well, I have a side gig and it is, I'm learning how to paint pictures of animals. So my sister Jen and I were able to commission him to do painting of my nephew's dog and Ziggy, which I just love. And we think that it ended up with probably another couple thousand dollars worth of commissions that he got just by yeah. that social media. So wow. what it is, is trying to um, just uh, go for the positive of that. And the other thing is, I want to, at some point, figure out where all this dog has friends. And it is amazing. It's all the, almost all of the um, European countries. Mm. Um, and it is South America and it is Australia and it is um, South Africa. And I mean, you know, because people will tell you where they are. And it's just it's just neat how small it makes the world. Um, and and so it's it's absolutely 100 percent enjoyable for me um, because I'm out walking the dog and I love the dogs and the flowers and I love to make the little movies of just her fetching a stick or whatever. But um, also, I mean, you know, you think about the impact that that has around the world because I 
I a lot of times look at it and think, well, there isn't anybody who would see that who wouldn't think now that is pretty great. You know? Right. Yeah. And you're a stage mom. Yes, exactly that. That was the term I was trying to think of introducing her, a stage yes. mom. Exactly yeah, that. Yeah, you're a stage mom. And so, wow, you know, deriving, look at this deriving gratification from our relationships, but the effect of the relationships. And of course, the two of you have such in common making a difference. Both of you, each of you in your own ways, and how that making a difference continues. And I think that that's a really good place for us to land in is that that hope of whatever the difference anybody is making by their blood, sweat and tears and a history and career can can be and sometimes just organically shifts into making that difference post-retirement. So I think this is probably not the last time we're going to have a conversation. I so agree. So agree. So while we take a breath of gratitude, uh, we really want to thank you both for joining us today. And as Andrea said, we look forward to future discussions and future visits, both uh, in recording and in person, hopefully. Um, and Thank you both for Thank joining you so us. so much. This has been Thank a joy. You. It's really been a joy. Thank you. For us too. Yes. Over. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for just summarizing some of the thoughts that we've had and, you know, um, all your encouragement too. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So, Barbara. How delicious are they? I know. I love how you pointed out uh, that they have uh, in common the idea of alchemy, right? With Mary being the pharmacist and creating the most ideal product, uh, medicine, to at times save someone's life even, even as deep as that. And then there is Melinda with her beautiful card design, but more so than that, how she tends to her, her family, how, how that is such a gift that she exudes. Right. And the tending and, and also the larger picture that, that both sisters hold in common, which is in a way doing, doing good in the world. I mean, that being like mission, for both of them. And again, you know, it's not a mission that you decide I'm going to do good in the world. It, you can see how it develops so organically, right. so naturally, and with such genuine affection and pleasure. And how I love how Mary was not certain about retirement, right? So there were four different instances where she moved that process uh, along. Uh, and I think I was thinking about how sometimes even simple things like, well, about what we wear. One day you like to wear greens, another day you like to wear golds. So being in tune with ourselves and knowing when the time is right, whether it be for retirement or relationship change or change in clothes and style, all of those things, knowing and feeling that. And, and you know, just back to her preparation, you know, so what you're saying is allowing for the process, right? right? And of course, you know, you have to give notice and all of that, but it was such a, a beautiful illustration of being able to dance with the process of change. And also, and I didn't say this, but I wanted to, that not only was she preparing herself, but she was preparing the whole field of people and circumstances with whom she interacts on, on a daily basis, needing to prepare them that she wasn't going to be there forever. That was, that's a very important thing. I have seen that in many cases 
you know, of people feeling so responsible for the um, environment in which they are giving their lives. And a lot of people feel like they're not making a difference until they start saying, you know what, this is not going to last forever. I'm going to be leaving at some point or I'm going to be retiring. So I think that there were so many places for our listeners to relate to these two women, and in this case, two very fortunate women. But so many people have, and hopefully in the listening, will recognize that the richness of all those dimensions in, in their own lives. We're, we're always so grateful to have guests that are very authentic, right? That really share and show the inside of themselves to us, because that is, that's what really helps everyone else uh, see a bigger picture or see the possibilities, right? We talk about patience and possibilities. Well, patience, look at Mary, right? She was patient right. over all these four different times. And now she's exploring those possibilities. possibilities. Right. Without pressure. How about patience and possibilities without pressure? Right. What luxury. What luxury. Wow. Thank you for, you know, um, arranging this conversation among the four of us, BB. And um, we always like to give gratitude to one another. Yes, we do. Yes, oh. we do. Until um, next time. Until next time. Over <laughs> and out for now. As we Over and out. Bye. We're immensely grateful to AARP Arizona for their support. Have a listen to the 30-second message from AARP about protecting yourself online in relation to dating scams. This problem is particularly daunting in these times of isolation and loneliness. Be careful out there. I matched with this cutie on a dating site. We texted all the time, but never met up. Then he asked to send him gift cards for a plane ticket to see me. And that's when I remembered a tip I got from the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Gift cards? This is a romance scam. Spent that money on self-care instead. Recognize fraud sooner so your money lives longer. The younger you are, the more you need AARP.